5: Welcome in, podcast listeners. Hope you guys are having fantastic weeks. Is Philip Rivers done with the Chargers? We break down the big uh, game last night between the Chiefs and the Chargers. What did we learn? Top five, bottom five in the NFL. And Petros Papadakis swings by alongside of Charles Davis from Fox Sports. All that and more. Outkick the coverage 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now
5: let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I know a couple of weeks ago we debated the Charger options when it came to Phillip Rivers and what they should do when his contract expires at the end of this year and he becomes a free agent. And most of us on the show, including me, said, you know what, the Chargers really don't have that many options here. I think they have to extend Phillip Rivers and bring him back for another season. But after watching the last two games and the performances of Phillip Rivers, I'm back to believing that the Chargers do have some options and they can't extend Phillip Rivers. I'll explain why here momentarily. But first, if you went to bed last night before the game was decided, here is what you missed.
6: Frank Clark coming for him. A fade route right side. It's
5: intercepted! 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 Dirty Dan Sorensen picks
1: it off! One of the biggest interceptions for Dirty Dan. Keats shut the gate on Phillip Rivers.
5: That's the Chiefs, obviously, uh, radio team exulting on the win. It was a strange game for the Kansas City Chiefs where Phillip Rivers uh, was intercepted four times, but Patrick Mahomes really didn't throw for that many yards and crazily Also, where he was making all the plays with his legs, even though he was just a few weeks removed from a kneecap injury that many believed would be tremendously traumatic for him uh, for the rest of this year. He looked 100% healthy down in Mexico on a field that wasn't 100%. But I was watching this Phillip Rivers final drive, wondering if the Chargers might go for two and the win if they had been able to score a touchdown and instead Rivers throws uh, underneath his receiver gets picked off four interceptions on Monday night three interceptions the week before he's now up there with Jameis Winston on most interceptions thrown in a season by any player and he'll turn 38 years old I believe it is next month and If you are the Chargers right now, struggling to build your fan base in L.A., I understand that Phillip Rivers is by far the most recognizable player on your team, but isn't it time to think about turning the page, particularly now, when it's possible that you could be in a position to, for instance, draft Tua, a Hawaiian player, not far from Hawaii, relatively speaking, in L.A., uh, to try and build the uh, the, the franchise around. Now, uh, you have to wait and make see make sure that Tua is going to come back healthy. But if Tua is not your guy, you theoretically could take Justin Herbert. And it does seem like Joe Burrow will be gone. But you might get the second best quarterback in this draft with your first round pick if you are the Chargers now. One possibility is you could re-sign Phillip Rivers and go draft a first-round quarterback as well and essentially do with Phillip Rivers what the Giants did with Eli Manning last year, which is bring in a quarterback in the first round, give Phillip Rivers the opportunity to start next season, but if the Chargers start off slow like they have so many times in, uh, in the past then maybe you go ahead and turn the page. Or, again, maybe you just go ahead and make a change now. In theory, for Phillip Rivers, his career doesn't have to be over. I would imagine that the Bears, the Panthers, and maybe the Titans would all kick the tires on whether it makes sense to sign Phillip Rivers and try to bring him in to be the difference maker, a veteran quarterback that you believe could make your team uh, able to get into the playoffs and make a run once you get there, which I also think would be Philip Rivers's goal. But I just I, I am going to uh, to change my mind from what I said a few weeks ago based on what we have seen the past two weeks from Philip Rivers and his inability to drive the ball down the field uh, with opportunities to win late against both, I believe it was the Raiders and now the Chiefs in division. He's just whiffed, and seven interceptions in the last two weeks. Uh, Something is not computing when it comes to Phillip Rivers and this offense. You figure Melvin Gordon is going to be gone as well. You may be going back to the drawing board a bit. I think it's time for the Chargers, even moving into that new stadium, to try and find a new quarterback to bring some excitement. Uh, I want to go ahead and bring in... Uh, the San Diego Charger formerly San Diego Charger at some point I'm going to stop saying San Diego Chargers I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who still do it as well Uh, let's bring in Eddie Garcia whose family is uh, his wife in particular season ticket holders we had this debate Eddie before are you still of the belief that Philip Rivers the Chargers have to sign him to a big money deal
7: um no not you're changing point. with me well i we'll have to see how he finishes the season if he plays the way he's played the last two games then no uh, I think that's he's made the decision for them, and who knows? Maybe he retires at the end of the year. Maybe he decides, I don't have it anymore. And I mean, he seems like I don't know him, but he seems like a very proud guy who doesn't want to, you know, be benched. And uh, you know, I,
5: I just hang on, Pat. He's, yeah. he's not a guy who wants to to be pulling an Eli, right? Where you're standing on the sideline, you get benched after starting, you know, every game since September 11th, I think 2006 and uh and suddenly you find that uh that experience of standing on the sideline to finish out your career I feel the same way that he doesn't want to be like that just like Cam Newton doesn't want to be like that for instance nobody wants to get Eli
7: and he famously has nine kids maybe it's time to go be dad right I mean I just uh, but we'll see I mean he's played very poorly the last two games but he still has the season to finish out um I don't think he's going to play like this the rest of the year, and I think it's still going to be uh, an interesting decision on what the Chargers do at the end of the year. But again, he hasn't come out and said he's definitely looking to play after this year. We don't know anything. He hasn't. He's not speaking about this at all. So we'll have to wait and see how it okay. plays out. But it, but it'd be, you can't be you can't watch how he's played the last couple of games and not be worried if you're uh, a Chargers fan.
5: Let's talk bigger picture business. They are trying to sell tickets right now to the new football stadium in L.A. Which do you think is more likely to grab the attention of uh, the pop the public in L.A.? Taking a chance with Tua. And by the way, these are interesting stats that I saw uh, that came out in terms of where Tua might get drafted uh, in the wake of his surgery, which reportedly went well. Now, I'll say reportedly went well because – Nobody ever says after they operate on a uh, on an athlete, "Oh, that was a disaster. We're we're screwed. We got nothing nothing good that's going to come from this at all, right?" So we have to take that with a grain of salt. But assuming that he is going to be able to recover, the potential uh, range of where Tua could be drafted is pretty is pretty wild. This is according to an offshore site, uh, but Odd Shark tweeted it out. Uh, Odds that Tua goes 1st to 10th, 2 to 1. Odds that he goes 11th to 20th, plus 150. 21st to 32nd, 3 to 1. And then in rounds 2 through 7, 3 to 1. So really, Tua's draft stock right now, totally up in the air. Don't you think that if Tua is able to be somewhat healthy, that there would be more interest in Tua in L.A.? than there is in Phillip Rivers coming back at the age of 38.
7: I'm not sure about that. I think so. Well, but is not uh, that hot of a property, I don't think, in Los Angeles. I just, you know, this is not uh, as big of a college football town as, you know, some other places, obviously.
5: I just think he has sex appeal because he's an Hawaiian Well, he, he did the ball over the, if, if he comes know. back healthy.
7: But how do we know that until he plays football games?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's going to have that sex appeal until he goes out and stinks, right? Uh, The other option that would probably be out there for the Chargers is Justin Herbert. I mean, you assume that Joe Burrow is going to be gone, and I'm really not sure now what the Miami Dolphins are going to do, because... Certainly, it appears they're going to want to take a quarterback, but are they going to want to take Tua as high as they there? Maybe, maybe they draft Herbert uh, higher than he normally would go, assuming Burrow's already gone. So, I do think that's a storyline worth following because I think it's possible that the Chargers would have an opportunity to get Tua. They're probably going to be drafting in that lower top 10 range, Uh, as we look at where the draft stock would be right now and we'll see how the final five weeks of the season goes but you and I were both of the opinion oh the Chargers have to bring back Phillip Rivers just a few weeks ago but after what I have seen the past two weeks I am flipping I don't think they can bring him back based on the performance that we've seen against both the Raiders and against uh, the, the Chiefs I mean he was atrocious last night. It's the worst two-game stretch as it of his stands, career. As
7: it stands right now, yes, I agree with you. But that can change.
5: And they're 4-7 and seven at this point. So I wonder even whether Anthony Lynn is safe. I mean, this may be a everybody goes back to the drawing board and remakes the Chargers. Because, again, we kind of know, based on public statements in anyway, that Melvin Gordon is gone. And if that's the case, then what decisions are you going to make on the offensive side of the ball? This could be a rip the bandaid off offseason for the Chargers and go back and and finally acknowledge that Philip Rivers is never going to happen. And I look, I think Rivers would get an opportunity to go meet with other teams because I still think there's a chance that the Bears or the Titans or the Panthers or one of these teams that believes that they are in the mix could uh, make a move there and believe that he's the difference maker also keep in mind you could always go sign one of these free agent quarterbacks and have a bridge uh with them as well with one of your young quarterbacks if you don't want to put rivers in that position like eli was in in uh, the last season we got a lot to discuss about this let me go quickly around the horn here so eddie's now joined me Danny G, are you of the opinion that Phillip Rivers, the Chargers, need to be done with him?
8: Yeah, this feels like deja vu all over again because last week after the Raiders game, I pressed you on the three-year $100 million you thought the Chargers needed to give him as the face of the franchise, but that's a sad face when you see him throw He's turning
5: 38 in December.
8: That third and fourth interception. I mean, he was, again, just like at the end of the Raider game, chucking that ball up for grabs. Williams, he happened to connect with him on that 50-yarder, so I thought, okay, well, maybe at least they'll send this game into overtime, and that last throw was horrible. Uh, Booger McFarland was saying that the defense had been fooling Rivers all night. More so to me, it looked like he was throwing the ball short, and he was putting his whole body into the throws, but it just seems like, for whatever reason, his arm is failing him right now, so I'm with Eddie, I think, about the retirement angle. If He can't uh, resurrect his career somewhere else. I mean, I'll stay with what I said a few weeks ago where I thought a a couple other teams would kick the tires on him. I think that that is going to have to be what happens if he wants to continue. He's going to need a change of scenery.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, there's the possibility Cam Newton could be a free agent. Is that a guy that moves the needle in L.A.? If you think he's got something left, do you try to bring him in as the Chargers' quarterback? Do you go with a bridge uh, type situation? If you're a big fan of Tua, could you bring in Marcus Mariota, who's known him since he was a kid, and have Mariota as uh, as sort of the the mentor for Tua in terms of uh, learning how to be a quarterback in the NFL um, and be the bridge? I I think there are some intriguing directions that the Chargers could go. But I just I, I really don't believe anymore that Philip Rivers is the answer.
8: Do you mind really quick? I just one quick question for Eddie, because I saw his wife on social media blaming the offensive line, the O-line. Eddie, is that just because your wife is a big Rivers fan? Or do you think a lot of this has to do with him panicking because of the O-line?
7: I, I think it has a lot to do with it. Their, their two starting tackles are out. And those two guys aren't exactly Hall of Famers to begin with. So he has no running game as well, so he has to throw it into the end zone if they're going to score a touchdown. So the circumstances that he is in is not helping his situation either.
5: Seven interceptions in the last two games, uh, an inability to drive his team down late, ugly, ugly, late driving. He got th- what three opportunities there in the in the fourth quarter to uh, to try and come back. And the last two of those opportunities both ended in interceptions. What do you think, Dub? Is it time to turn the page for the Chargers?
9: It just might be for the Chargers and for Phillip Rivers. And he also should have had a fifth interception. Tyron Matthew dropped probably yeah, oh the God, easiest that was an interception awful, awful, he'll I ever about have that in play. his career. Yes. So, I mean, that's another one that very likely should have been an interception. But, you know, it's, it's tough to disagree with you. I think it'd be best for the Chargers moving into a new stadium, and it would probably be best for Phillip Rivers to get a new uh, change of scenery as well.
5: Uh, Roberto, are you going to make it unanimous?
9: Yeah, yeah, especially
6: those four, those fourth-quarter interceptions, man, when they're, they're trying to come back in the game uh, last Thursday and, and last night. Uh, yeah, I think he needs a change of scenery. But I, I don't see him playing anywhere else. I, I think he might just, like Eddie said, I think he might just retire.
5: What's wild is... Those final drives just didn't even look like they had any flow at all the past couple of uh, of games. It's not as if he's gotten the ball and immediately moved it down the field. I mean, even last night to get into a position to be able to throw that interception, uh, he had to hit a pretty improbable downfield pass. Uh, which, by the way, the clock should have stopped, kept running. That could have turned into a big story if the Chargers had scored and found a way to keep winning there, uh, the NFL appeared to make an error in, uh, in ruling Williams out of bounds, I believe it was, uh, on that catch. Now, it didn't uh, end up impacting things because of the interception, uh, but that would have been a big story today if the Chargers had come back, put that game into overtime, or if they had scored the touchdown there and ended up going for two, which I think there would have been a decent chance that they would have done uh, although uh, we'll not know for uh, because Philip Rivers didn't give Anthony Lynn the decision uh, to make that choice. All right, when we come back, we'll be joined by Charles Davis. Calls games every week for Fox, uh, and uh, we'll see what game he called and also what he thinks going forward, all that and more. This is OutKick, the coverage. I appreciate you spending your Tuesday morning with us here on OutKick, all rolling and all smooth, unless you are Philip Rivers, or a Charger fan. We'll also talk more about whether the uh, the Chiefs have righted the ship with a win down in Mexico City as they hit their bye week at 7-4. and four. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
4: near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their general tires test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tire, tire rack.com sports tire the way tire buying should be
5: Man, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in Phillip Rivers going forward. Let's go ahead and bring in Charles Davis at CFD 22. He was calling the Detroit Lions game against the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get to that in a sec, as well as he's going to be uh, in Philadelphia with the big Seattle game coming up for the Eagles. But first, let's start with last night. Charles, what do you think about the future of Phillip Rivers and the Chargers based on what you've seen the past couple of weeks?
6: I think that the conversation, Clay, about Phillip Rivers and having to make a decision about whether he's going to be the quarterback when they open up the new stadium with the Rams next year had always centered in on what will Phillip do. I think that that narrative may be changing to what will the Chargers do? Yeah, it, it won't just be Phillips' decision anymore, and that's that's the hard part to face because he was rolling along, and I think we've gotten comfortable with these older quarterbacks, haven't we, Clay? You know, in the past we would have been talking about these guys' ages. You know, when you and I were kids, we would have been saying when they hit 33, 34, Oh my God, how much longer can these guys play? Right? You know, we, we, you know they've got to start getting people behind them. Now these guys are thirty-eight, thirty-nine. And we're so comfortable with it that I always say, okay, name Tom Brady's backup. And everybody, uh, uh, and uh, Brian Hoyer. Well, no, he's not there anymore. You know what I mean? It, we don't, we're not as concerned because we still see them playing at a high level. Brady, Breeze, Aaron Rodgers is getting up there a little bit. Right on down the line. Phil Rivers obviously <laughs> counted in that. Now after this, the way things have gone, especially the last couple of weeks, he's going to have to have a major turnaround down the stretch. And even so, I think the Chargers are truly in the quarterback market. And, Clay, when we started this season and we were talking about this being a so-called better quarterback year, potentially a better quarterback year in the draft, I don't know that we anticipated as many teams that are going to be in the quarterback market as I think are going to be when we get there and uh, and get to the draft itself in April.
5: How much of the Chargers' decision has to do with business as opposed to just sitting back and looking at Phillip Rivers' Uh, I, I know business always factors in here, but moving into a brand new stadium, is it better to take a risk and at least be selling a new product to fans? And that new product could be, I don't know, Tua, it could be Justin Herbert, it maybe would be Cam Newton coming all the way across the country, somebody that's new. Or is it better to go with the tried and true sort of face of the franchise for every game that's been started since, I think, September 11th, 2006, and just stick with Phillip Rivers. What do you think from a business perspective?
6: If they were opening up a new stadium in San Diego, I think selling Phillip yeah. is the right thing to do. If <laughs> yeah. you're opening up a new stadium in Los Angeles and they're struggling to find a foothold there to begin with, I think in other franchises, business would, yeah, you're right, business is always a part of it, but it wouldn't be as big a part of it as it is for the the Rams, Hey, let's not fool ourselves. Rams, is a business decision as well. But I think especially for the Chargers, who are really struggling to find a foothold in Los Angeles. I mean, we can't make any more jokes. And, you know, there's no one better in our business than Al Michaels calling a game. And not many of us can, can be as open with what we say as Al can because of who he is and, and what he's earned. But that night when they were watching, who, who was it? The Chargers were hosting. I forgot who it was, and then he was talking about Green Bay coming to town. Yeah. And he said, well, it'll be about 80% green and gold when we see this one the next time. Right. And I could just feel the whole league going, oh, who's the league? office, going name, but there's nothing to do with Al, right? He can say whatever he wants. But he was spot on, wasn't he? That's that's what that's what the issue And this is in a 30,000-seat stadium. What are you going to do when you move into the monstrosity that's going to be a Super Bowl stadium because that's why they built it? wow, yeah, there's a big business aspect to this as well. Now, I'm not here to totally write off Philip Rivers yet, but boy, the signs are pointing towards, you. at the least, they have to think about drafting a quarterback. And yes, business is a part of it. Do the Chargers make a big move, try and get to the top of the board and draft one of the top quarterbacks, and now he becomes the theme of your marketing campaign? Well, what,
5: yeah, that's a great question. And also, that draft that we thought might be so stocked, Right now, I mean, obviously Joe Burrow. I think is uh, the the oddsmakers put out numbers, and he's a substantial favorite to be the overall number one pick. And you got to assume the Bengals. Uh, I mean, just a disaster of an zero and ten franchise are going to be the team that goes and gets a quarterback for sure at the number one position. They've opened up a substantial lead for themselves with only six games left to lock up that picture uh, that pick. But then, I mean, how high up to Justin Herbert? Who falls in love with him? Tua's going to be coming off of an injury now. Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason haven't necessarily been as good as many would have projected in their uh, junior season. So are they going to be coming out? I mean, how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round? And even how do you value Tua coming off of this injury? And uh, now, I guess, maybe more so than most years, you've got a lot of free agents Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, and probably Jameis Winston if you look at what's going on with him. Are any of those guys bridge guys? Eli, Phillip Rivers. I mean, there's a lot of movement in addition to the draft at the quarterback position that may be taking place compared to in other years.
6: I would agree with that. And if, you know, we, we don't have to handicap every single one of them, let's just go college very quickly. Normally, I tell everyone be careful with you know odds makers telling you who's going to be the number one quarterback taken because rarely do they get it right. The odds makers are so good at games and yeah. terrible at this yeah. because it's just it's, the process, as you know, Clay, is nuts. Okay, forget Nick Saban and his process. The process of the draft is crazy because if we always listen to the odds makers, remember Christian Hackenberg was the odds-on guy after his freshman year at Penn State. He went in the second round and shouldn't have gone in the fourth. Yeah. Okay, And I'm not talking about just post. The, the Jets made a horrendous decision at that time. That was not one of those where we go back years later and go, wow, they took him in the second. No, when they took him in the second, the whole league went, what? Yeah. What are you doing? So remember Brian Brom. Remember, he was the odds-on guy, right? How did that go? You know. So we can just go right down the line. In this case, though, I talked to two personnel guys last week, and Burrow – Really, might be they might have it right this time. He certainly looks to be that guy. Tua, we were talking about the injury issues before the LSU game. Yeah. Now you added in after Mississippi State. I'm not being an alarmist, but the truth of the matter is he could fall out of the first round. That's where it's gotten to because of the injuries and in size. Jacob Eason, in my estimation, should think hard about going back to school. You know, and and that's the hard part where you're telling guys because of the injury factor out at Washington. But I don't think that based on my contacts, there are a number of teams not overly enamored with the overall makeup of Jacob Eason, even though he can throw the football. So he's got to think harder about himself about potentially being back at Washington. So, yeah, you're right. The the quarterback pool coming out may not be what we thought it was going in, and that's going to be an interesting deal. And then when you throw in, as you said, the potential free agents in the league – a number of them with plenty of question marks. So it's going to be a wild year for quarterback shift and movement and who's going to be the team to take the plunge and decide, let's go get a veteran guy, as you said, as a bridge perhaps, as opposed to I'm going to put all my capital in and move up in the draft to get one of these guys. Because Justin Herbert, I think, is going to be a really interesting case study down the stretch, and I like that kid a lot
5: what do you think about jake Fromm? he's going to his third straight sec title game but yeah. his numbers this year have been really really poor in the passing universe and part of that probably factoring in is the number of uh, of, of young wide receivers mm-hmm. that are on his team but this has not been a good georgia offense this year and i expected Fromm to be a lot better than he has what do you think about his
6: stock Yeah, I think that he's – everything you said lays out perfectly, and I feel like you were sitting right there with the conversation I had with one of the personnel guys in the league. He actually mentioned all the things that you mentioned, but he really kept coming back to, yeah, but the guys that he was throwing to, (laughs) they're playing on Sunday right now. Yeah. You know, and and, and you're breaking in a brand-new crop of guys, and it's not quite the same, and they don't come along at the same rate all the time. You know, receivers – Receivers develop a lot like quarterbacks. We expect receivers to just step right into the NFL and be great, and you and I both know that's not always the case. And then we kind of give up on some of them, and then we find out a couple years later they actually did develop and played well. Same as quarterbacks. It's a tougher transition than we give credit for. So I think Fromm's going to get a lot more points for who he is, how he took that job when he was young, all the winning that's gone on. But I'm not saying he's you know first round is not a lock for him by, by any stretch. But I think a lot of people are still very interested in him, too, because I think he's the type of guy that you can grab and feel very comfortable with that he's going to learn your system quickly, be able to run your team. I don't know that people are going to ascribe star value to him right off the top, but you might find out later on that you got a heck of a good quarterback. So don't write him off, but I also would tell you, I don't know that anyone's trading to the top of the draft and saying Jacob Fromm. We're talking to Charles Davis at CFD20. No, but Jacob, what is his first name anyway? From. Jake, I think Jake works. Jake Fromm. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jake yeah.
5: Fromm, sorry. Uh, Jacob Easton, Jake Fromm. It's a tough, uh, it's a tough business Jacob. there. Too many Jakes running around. Press so when they were competing against each other along with uh, Justin Fields back in the day. Uh, we're talking to Charles Davis at CFD22. You can hear him every single weekend uh, calling games for Fox. Okay, so the game you called. I am curious what you saw. Uh, I watched a a decent amount of this game. Dak Prescott uh, is just on fire in the passing game. But simultaneously, it appears that a lot of defenses are saying, we'll take our chances with Dak. We're not going to allow Ezekiel Elliott to run. Are you seeing... Uh, from where your vantage point is up uh, up you can see the all 22 are teams trying to stop Zeke or is there something that's going on with the Cowboys run game that uh, that is making the passing game more efficient and effective and uh, and what's going on with Zeke
6: no I think that you hit it right from the top people are still going to load up and you're still I think teams are still in the spot of I don't want you to just chew me up running the football, and Zeke can do that. I want to see Dak continue to throw the football at the high level that he's throwing it. So teams are loading up closer to the line of scrimmage, giving you better avenues to throw the football. But I will tell you, Dak continues to ascend as a player and as a quarterback. And we talked about it Sunday, um, Kevin Burkhart and myself. We opened up the game, and we are of the opinion that this team has transitioned And, you know, you don't have that much time to say it, Ben, but I feel like it's similar to a Seattle situation a few years ago. Yeah. They're moving towards running the offense through their quarterback instead of through their runner. Seattle had to do it because Marshawn Lynch hit hit the end of the line as a career, right? So they had to make that transition, and they didn't have the guy to follow up, and the offensive line was terrible. Yet Russell Wilson continued to get better and better. But I said, okay, he's more than a game manager. He's the real deal. And then they built around him, right? They went and got Chris Carson in the seventh round. (laughs) They rebuilt the offensive line, did a really nice job with that. They helped him out a little bit more outside. But bottom line is it became Russell Wilson's team. I think the transition to Dak, if Dallas didn't get the memo, which I don't think they did prior to that last drive against Minnesota, I think they've gotten it now and they're going to run things through Dak doesn't mean Zeke won't get his yards or his touches but instead of him being first in the primary deal he may be second and that may actually benefit him down the stretch where he might get better lanes to run if Dak continues to throw the balls as effectively as he is because you remember Minnesota they you know the Dak threw him downfield then they decided to run it twice with Zeke and the game essentially was lost there this week game on the line they're trying to run out. They're trying to run out the clock. They're throwing the football with Dak. That told me a whole different trust factor and a whole different mindset for Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, and Jason Garrett, the head coach.
5: What do you expect in that game against the Patriots coming up? Which is just going to be so massive in the NFL. And 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 I'll also get your thoughts here as we go out on the Eagles in a minute. But the Patriot offense has been so bad, uh, really, when you look at the data points uh, so far this year with Tom Brady. But he's still Tom Brady, and their defense has been extraordinary. What do you anticipate with Dak going on the road into Foxborough and uh, that Cowboy offense rolling up to the New England?
6: Well, I'm going to talk out the other side of my mouth now. After I've said that the transition is happening where they run through Dak, I think Zeke's going to be a huge factor in this one. Because teams that move the ball against New England this year do it better running it than they do throwing it. You know, and they have the weapons, and they're built to do this. Okay? So this is not like you know Dallas has to change personalities totally, just kind of get back to, hey, offensive line, remember, remember 21? we got to get him going this week because that's how you move the ball better against New England than you do actually in the air. Not, not that Dak can't throw it, but I think this is a time where this is a strength of yours, and it's not as much of a strength of New England's. This is their opportunity to go do that. So I think that's how it has to go. Dallas' defense on the flip side, I feel like they were frustrated a little bit walking out of Detroit. They had multiple chances, Clay, in that game to, you know, to use a WWE term. They had a chance to, to Cobra clutch them out, okay, and they didn't. Detroit, they let Detroit hang, and that game became closer down the stretch than it probably should have. They kept letting them pick up key first downs. They ran the ball more effectively than you would think. Remember, Bo Scarborough started at tailback for the Lions. He was on the practice squad all week yeah. like, and has been signed less than two weeks before. He started and ran effectively during that game. That's what Dallas has to be concerned with. Can they start to get off the field like they should be on defense? And that's what I'm thinking about them going into New England.
5: What do you anticipate with a really big game for the Eagles as they try and keep pace in some way with the Cowboys? Uh, They could beat, if they could pull off a win over the Seahawks, you assume the Cowboys have a good chance to lose against the Patriots. Boom, we're back to even with five weeks to go uh, in the NFC East. What needs to happen for the Eagles to get a win over the Seahawks?
6: Well, the defense has gotten right. You look at the last three games, they've gotten all, a lot of the injured guys back in the last three games. Their numbers are terrific. I mean, heck, Tom Brady looked mortal, right? The touchdown pass was Julian Edelman. It wasn't Tom Brady. Okay, so, so they played well. Which, which has been a change from earlier this year. Offensively has been the issue. Carson Wentz was a 50% thrower on, on Sunday. Part of that, offensive line got, got, got dinged up. Lane Johnson goes out. You shuffle the line again. Andre Dillard, the rookies had his troubles, whether he's playing left or right tackle. Halapul Avate Vitae hasn't been the same since really that rookie year with the run to the Super Bowl. So they've got to get, So they've got to get going there, and they don't have their runners. You know, Miles Sanders has become your primary runner again. Do they get Jordan Howard back? If so, that'll be huge for them because he's played well. But if they don't, they just signed Jay Ajayi. And, you know, Clay, the last time Jay Ajayi played was for the Eagles against the Vikings last season. Okay. So so you talk about a guy who's been dinged, hasn't played at all, just got re-signed, and their ability to run the football in this game is going to be paramount against a Seattle defense that is not the Seattle defense we've seen in the past but gave, us our be- gave, the-, gave the-, the best performance we've seen of them this year against San Francisco last Monday night. So you better stay out of pass rush situations because Clowney looks like he's coming on now. Jaron Reed is rounding into form after his, after his suspension. They've got to be able to effectively run it against that front and keep that pass rush tamped down a little bit because wasn't Clowney spectacular against San Francisco?
5: yeah he was absolutely outstanding good stuff as always Charles Davis we'll talk to you next week my man enjoy that uh, Seahawks Eagles game
6: hey look forward to it let's see if the Vols can can get one more down the stretch
5: yeah be interesting to see what happens against Mizzou Uh, that is uh, Charles Davis at CFD 22 go follow him on Twitter listen and watch him uh, in the game against uh, it's a good one Seahawks going on the road against the Eagles all right when we come back how much faith do we have in the chiefs based on what we saw happen with them we talked about philip rivers and the future with the chargers what about the chiefs did they right the ship after a rough loss last week against the titans we will discuss this is outkick on fox sports radio this is outkick the coverage with clay travis All right, I know we talked a lot about the Chargers, but if you go into the numbers here, the Chiefs were really pretty lucky to win this game. They got outgained by over 120 yards. The uh, third down efficiency, the Chiefs were not very good. We were talking about Phillip Rivers and the four interceptions. But what's amazing about this is the Chiefs couldn't put this game away. They had the opportunity to ice it. They couldn't figure out a way to put this uh, put this game into, uh, into the win column. And as a result, they kept giving the ball back to Phillip Rivers. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, whether it's just a function of the Chargers themselves, but the Chargers only ran the ball 19 times. And they ran the ball for 93 yards, almost 5 yards a carry. And I just feel like the Chiefs remain wobbly as we come down the stretch. Now, it doesn't mean I don't believe they're going to win the AFC West because I do think if you look at their schedule, odds are they're going to win the AFC West. They hit now the bye week, and they've got five weeks left in the season, effectively, after the bye week. They can almost put away the division with the Raiders coming to Kansas City in two weeks. I mean, if they win that game, they'll have beaten the Raiders twice. They'll have a two and a half game lead with basically four games to go. Uh, and the schedule is not that tough down the stretch, right? You go on the road against the Patriots. That's a huge, massive game that you still kind of assume that you'll lose if you go on the road in Foxborough. But if you beat the Raiders, it won't be that big of a deal. And then you got the Broncos, and by that point, uh, even more so than now, it feels like the Broncos will have melded in the Bears. Okay, the Bears are awful. Are they still going to be with Mitch Trubisky or not? It's going to be the next to last week of the season. It's hard to believe that there's going to be much going on there in terms of uh, in terms of positivity. And then you finish off with uh, the Chargers again, and that might be the final game of Philip Rivers. So it's a big win for the Chiefs to get this thing done because I think it went a long way towards closing the door on the AFC West and puts the Chiefs effectively in the position in two weeks again, hitting the bye week late. It puts the Chiefs in position to be able to go out and uh and, and feel like they've taken control of this division. But do you feel like right now, based on the way the Chiefs are playing, they're capable of again, they'd be a wild card probably. And do you feel like they're capable of going on the road and winning against the Ravens and maybe winning against the on the road against the uh the Patriots as well? I don't right now. We'll see whether the bye week can cure what ails them a little bit. I'm still questionable about this defense as we roll forward, but the Chiefs get a big win in the meantime, thanks to Phillip Rivers throwing four uh interceptions. When we come back, NFL top five and bottom five in the week of in the wake of week eleven ending. That's next on Out be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Big story uh, last night was the Chargers failed to uh, be able to To put themselves into the playoff race at all and not only fail to put themselves into the playoff race but Phillip Rivers is atrocious for a second straight divisional game throwing four more interceptions to add to the three that he threw last week against the Raiders as a result now sitting at seven interceptions in the past two weeks and I think as much as we've talked about what his future with the Chargers is going to be it feels as if This was his swan song on a big national stage last night. An opportunity to win the game late. An opportunity to put his team into a position to make the AFC West race matter down the stretch. And he just flat out couldn't do it. Threw an interception to end this game. Uh, Another bad throw. Easily could have been picked off five or more times in this game. It feels like for whatever reason... The Phillip Rivers mojo has vanished this season. Last year, he got hot down the stretch. I just don't know if you can bring him back if you are the Chargers. On the flip side, yes, the Chiefs won, but was it a win that if you're a Chiefs fan, you feel like, hey, we're in good shape now. Uh, We are ready to win in the wild card. We're ready to advance in the playoffs and challenge the Ravens or challenge the Patriots. I feel like this chiefs team as the season has progressed we have recognized is pretty flawed and if they go up against a physical defense with a team that can run the football they're going to get eliminated in the postseason but for right now at least they hit their bye week at seven and four the positives are patrick mahomes seems like he's back to nearly 100 percent healthy the way he was running the football you hope that tyree kill's hamstring injury is not severe and with a couple of weeks now of time to rest that he will be back ready to go for that Raiders game uh, and uh, in which really, the Chiefs can take complete control of their division and knock the Raiders back down the uh, back down the flow chart there. Uh, but it's hard, I think, to be that optimistic about the Chiefs right now based on what you saw last night. That was as much the Chargers choking as it was the Chiefs winning so uh in hour two as we typically do on tuesday in the wake now of the nfl week 11 being in the books it's time for top five bottom five and uh, i have got the list here we'll run through i'll start with the top five teams in the nfl right now uh and i still have them number one even though i thought at times jimmy garoppolo was a little bit questionable defense wasn't great against the cardinals but the 49ers found a way to win they're sitting at nine and one uh, tied for the best record in the nfl jimmy garoppolo at least against the cardinals has shown that he has high level passing ability and so i am going to stick with the 49ers as the best team in football right now in the second spot they went on the road their offense remains really really a work in progress not very good but i have got the patriots sliding in at number two with the win on the road out of the bye week against the eagles the patriots as the second best team in the nfl right now i keep bumping them up i'm not a big believer in lamar jackson's passing ability but i like the defense i like the run game i like the uh, the way that this team is built right now with the ravens sitting at eight and two i have the baltimore ravens as the third best team in the nfl right now in the four spot i have got the seattle seahawks they are coming off of their bye week they go on the road against the eagles we talked with charles davis about this game in hour one And in the five spot, they rebounded from a poor performance against the Falcons. And the way the Falcons played against the Panthers, you didn't feel as bad necessarily about that performance. Maybe the Falcons are just finally starting to play like the team most of us anticipated they could be uh, when the season began. Maybe Dan Quinn's going to save his job after all with two straight division wins. But I have got the Saints handling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pretty easily In the five spot, that means right outside of the top five, I have got the Packers and the Vikings, two NFC North teams. But my top five, to reiterate, the 49ers, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Seahawks, and the Saints uh, with the Packers at six and the Vikings at seven if you want me to rank uh, the teams right outside of my top five. What say you, Danny G?
8: No major disagreements. I have the same five teams just uh, a little different there with the Saints and the Seahawks. I have Niners, Patriots, Ravens, Saints, Seahawks. Same thing with Packers and Vikings on the outside looking in.
5: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the reason I have the Seahawks at four is because they're coming off the big win against the 49ers. I know uh, that the Saints, with Teddy Bridgewater, went on the road and hung a loss on the Seahawks. So I certainly understand uh, how you could flip those. What say you with this list, Dub?
9: Yeah, I've got similar teams. I actually have the Ravens at number 1. I've been super impressed with how much their defense has improved the last few weeks, and their offense is absolutely rolling. They absolutely destroyed the Texans, something yeah, that did. I did not see coming at all. I've got the Patriots number 2, the Saints at 3, the 49ers 4, and Danny G's Minnesota Vikings coming in at 5.
5: So you don't have the Seahawks in your top 5? No, I don't. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and you have the Vikings five, despite the fact that they got blown out in the first half or great in the second half. Kirk Cousins was phenomenal, uh, which is why I've got them at seven right after uh, the Packers. All right, what about you, uh, Eddie Garcia? How would you assess?
7: Well, I have the same five. Um, I put New England one, San Francisco two. Uh, I know they both had to rally to... Win this past week, but I give New England a little bit more credit for winning on the road against the Eagles than the 49ers at home having to rally past the Cardinals. But I've got Baltimore third, Seattle fourth, and New Orleans fifth.
5: So pretty similar. Roberto, any major differences for you?
7: No, I got the Patriots at one, 49ers at two, Saints at
3: three, Seahawks four, and then Green Bay at five.
5: So right now, I think most people would anticipate if you are projecting at this point in time uh, a Super Bowl. The 49ers against the Patriots. Now, I think most people out there would also prefer that the Patriots not be in the Super Bowl just because they've been there so many times over the years uh, that we would like to see somebody new. Uh, So uh, we'll see whether or not that can emerge. I also think... There's the possibility that we could get um, some uh, some intriguing matchups, right? Like as you look at some of these quarterbacks down the stretch, uh, the 49ers, Jimmy G, still relatively young. I think he's only started 20 games in his career. I believe 17-3 and three now as a starter for Jimmy G. We know about the Patriots and what they've represented over the years in the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson would be an incredible story in year two to be in the Super Bowl as well as being an MVP candidate. That would be off the charts level success for him. Also, a tremendous endorsement of John Harbaugh and Greg Roman Greg Roman, of whom, by the way, I would expect there's a good chance he gets a head coaching job in this uh, offseason. Seahawks' Russell Wilson looking to go to a third Super Bowl. Hasn't been back since he threw the interception uh, at the goal line against the Patriots. Saints... Whether Drew Brees could ever get sort of the Peyton Manning style right off into the sunset second Super Bowl. Last year, it felt like the Saints should have been there, uh, but for the pass interference mishap. And then you've got uh, the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers getting that second Super Bowl would go a long way, I think, towards burnishing his historical legacy. Even as good as he is, there's just so few guys who get that second Super Bowl title. And Kirk Cousins, who is under the radar right now but playing off the charts. And it would be intriguing to see what would be capable of Kirk Cousins if he gets this team uh, into the playoff w- playoffs with the Vikings. All right, that's the top five. Bottom five, the list of sadness. I have added now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the list of sadness at the top. 28th overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are now sitting at three and seven. Jameis Winston with 18 interceptions. I know that they've been competitive at times. They beat the Rams, which is their signature win. They had the mishap at field goal where they shanked one when they could have beaten the Giants. But I have got the Bucks at 28. And to me, the Bucs are one of the most intriguing teams out there in the offseason. It's hard for me to believe that Bruce Arians is going to say, yeah, let's bring back Jameis Winston for another year. I feel like this year has been effectively an opportunity for Jameis Winston to prove to the Bucks that he's their quarterback of the future, and it just hasn't happened. Now, maybe the Bucs would be willing to pay Jameis Winston a lot less money than they're paying him now. Would he sign for $12 million, something like that a year, and get to come back for another season? Maybe. But he's making $20 million plus, and I feel like all of the evidence is out there at this point in time. He's not the guy – Going forward for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, unless something just absolutely radical changes in the final six games of this season, another four interception game, another uh, uh, loss, three and seven now for the Bucks. I've got them at twenty-eight overall in the twenty-nine spot. I'm uh, bumping the Miami Dolphins. They continue to climb and 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 threaten to pull outside of the bottom five, but. They weren't very good against the Bills, and so I've got the Dolphins at 29. In the 30 spot, the Giants are bad, not good, awful team. 31, I've got the Redskins, who are just a disaster right now uh, with uh, with everything that's going on with this franchise. And then remaining in last place, I have the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the only winless team in the NFL, although they played a little bit better against the Raiders uh, than uh, than maybe many were anticipating. But that is my bottom five. The Bucks, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Bengals would be uh, my final five in that universe. Any major disagreements, Danny G?
8: No, this is not that hard the jets are trending up so i also slid the bucks in there so i have the same exact bottom five
5: yeah the, the jets get promoted outside of the bottom five uh with their win over the i think it was the redskins right but they've won a couple of games here of late they're not awful in, in terms of being one of the bottom five teams in the league in my opinion so they have slid up to uh, to three and seven what about you dub any major disagreements
9: well, I still have the Jets at 28. I'm not going to give too much of a promotion for beating the Giants and Redskins in back-to-back weeks, That's so I fair. still got the Jets in there.
5: Um, but do you agree with me about Jameis, that there's just no way to bring him back?
9: I would be absolutely shocked if they did.
5: Yeah, and, and I think that turns into an intriguing decision for Tampa Bay, the newest member of our bottom five, because uh, could there be some interest from Bruce Arians and Cam Newton? Uh, what, about, uh, what, what about the decision to go into the draft – could they have an opportunity to get to it Maybe certainly they could. What about Justin Herbert? Uh, certainly, it appears Joe Burrow. You heard us talking with uh, Charles Davis about the fact that Joe Burrow is the presumptive favorite to be the number one overall pick. He appears to be gone, uh, but that would be uh, an intriguing move by the Bucks to go back into the draft. It's not like they have a backup guy or anybody else on this roster that could make sense going forward. Uh, and uh, it just—it's just hard for me to believe that they're going uh, to stick with Jameis Winston at all. Teddy Bridgewater. Could that make some sense? Um, I am intrigued to see what Bruce Arians does, since he will theoretically have the ability to make whatever decision he thinks is uh, is best for that team in terms of a quarterback. Uh, what about you, Eddie? How would you uh, how would you break down the bottom five here?
7: I have the exact same order as you do.
5: Great minds, yeah, great minds clearly. So, what would you do? Let's pretend that you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coming off this four interception game. I think you go ahead at this point. And play Jameis Winston the final six games. Let him get an entire season under his belt. See how bad this can get. But who do you – what is your position? What is your plan if you are Bruce Arians in the Bucs?
7: Uh, you're absolutely moving on from Jameis yeah. Winston. It, there's no doubt. Okay, you gave but me, so do you, you go a, a veteran
5: route? Do you go free agency? Do you try Justin Herbert, Tua? I mean, what what is your thought process?
7: Uh, I would go back in the draft and try and find the next great young arm.
5: And I'm curious what happens with Jameis Winston. Like, how much demand do you think there is for Jameis Winston to be a backup in this league? Not a lot. Yeah, right? I mean, because I I do think that at this point, the die is kind of cast on Jameis. The positive is that he got complete carte blanche, right? Like, last season, they were switching him in and out constantly with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you could make the argument, well, he never really got into a rhythm. He had a four-game suspension to start the season. But Bruce Arians is known as the quarterback whisperer. He comes in. He says, look, we're not even going to have a backup. Who is their backup? I think it's some Finley guy. I can't even remember who their backup is. Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin. All right. Up. Yeah. All right. Ryan Griffin, who nobody knows and must be awful because he's had absolutely no snaps for the Bucs so far this year. And so the Bucs made the decision, we're going to ride or die with Jameis Winston this season. And they have died. I mean, it's been mostly a disaster. He's shown flashes, but at this point, year five, I think you have to move on. And what kind of demand is there for Jameis Winston as a backup in this league? I just, I don't see very much of it. I don't see very many teams who think, yeah, this could be our guy for the future. So that is going to be an intriguing storyline to follow. Roberto, what would you say of your bottom five?
3: I have the Jets, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Redskins, and the, the Bengals.
5: So I think the Jets versus the Bucks is an interesting balancing act. But to me... Sam Darnold and the Jets, even though they have won against bad teams, they've at least put themselves into a position where you can give them some credence kind of going forward. All right, that's NFL top five, bottom five. Uh, when we return, we have got the uh, the college football playoff rankings coming out. We talked some about this yesterday, but let's go ahead and dissect what we anticipate to see in those college football playoff rankings coming out tonight. Who are the favored teams to make the playoffs? So what are all the playoff permutations? Remember, I'm humble, but I also consider myself to be the greatest college football playoff analyst in the business. I will dive into that story next. And also, maybe we'll get you some Animal Thunderdome to finish off hour two. All that's still to come. Petros Papadakis will join us in hour three. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
4: .com/sports, com slash sports, tire the way tire buying should be.
5: A couple different things here as the college football playoff selection committee prepares to announce their latest rankings. Last week we got a little bit of a surprise, I would say, that Georgia slid into the top 4. I think that Georgia clearly has solidified its top 4 standing with the win over Auburn. So I don't think there's going to be any drama at all in the top 4. LSU will be one, and by the way, if you're looking for a negative for LSU, it would be their defense. They gave up a lot of yards to Ole Miss, Um, and uh, you can say, well, it's kind uh, kind of an interesting spot to be in coming off that huge win over Alabama, but that's at least worth paying attention to. I'm not sure that LSU's defense is elite national championship caliber, all right? So that's where you would start. Uh, In the second spot, Ohio State, uh, as Ohio State gets ready for the big game against Penn State. Uh, Then you've got in the third spot, I don't think there's any doubt, Clemson. And then sliding in at number four would be the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, So that would be your top four. Right outside of the top four will be intriguing. We'll see how much the committee dings Alabama for the injury to Tua then you've got Utah, certainly sorry, Oregon who will be 6 I would imagine. I don't think they'll pass Alabama. I think Utah will be 7 followed by Oklahoma and uh, we'll see what happens with Baylor, how much they move around all of those uh, scenarios, okay? So let's go back up to the top 4 and discuss. LSU is playing against Arkansas this weekend. LSU opened as a 46 point favorite over Arkansas. Putting that into perspective, that is the largest margin of being a favorite that has existed maybe ever in Southeastern Conference football. Uh, My guy, the Bear, Chris Felica, who writes and works with Game Day, went back through his historical analysis, and he couldn't find a single game that was as pronounced as that one. I think he said the next closest was all the way back in 1996 when Florida was playing against Vanderbilt, they were a 42 or 43 point favorite in that game. By the way, the Commodores only won that game, or sorry, the Gators only won that game by seven. Um, but that is as big of a difference in uh, in game as we have ever seen in SEC football. So look, there's no way that LSU is losing to Arkansas. So that gets them to 11 and 0, which means that. Come next week, if LSU can beat Texas A&M, I believe LSU will have clinched a spot in the college football playoff at 12-0. So LSU is close to clinching a spot in the playoff. Interestingly, in the second spot, Ohio State, if they beat Penn State, and they're around a 17 or 18 point favorite in this game, uh, if they beat Penn State, then Ohio State has won the Big Ten East, and really, what happens against Michigan doesn't matter for them. Much like LSU, if they get to twelve and zero, the SEC championship game won't really matter that much. Well, if uh, if Ohio State beats Penn State this weekend in Columbus, then what happens in the game against Michigan wouldn't matter at all. They could lose that one, still advance to the Big Ten uh, championship game. And as long as they won that one, they would still be in the playoffs. So we've actually got a scenario where LSU and Ohio State are so good, they have mulligans. LSU doesn't need to win the SEC championship, and Ohio State doesn't even need to beat Michigan, even though, by the way, they probably will. In the three spot, no mulligans for Clemson, but the games are pretty easy going forward. It's hard to see Clemson losing to either South Carolina or whoever's going to advance to play them in the ACC championship game. So that is where we are with those three. In the four spot, I feel good about Georgia. They've got Texas A&M coming to town. They're around a two-touchdown favorite. A&M likely to slide in at the bottom of the top 25. So far, A&M 7-3. 3 Their 3 losses uh, against Clemson, against Alabama, and the game they'd probably like to have back if they could have one back this season. They lost at home to Auburn. That was a tough one for Jimbo Fisher in year two. Uh, if he could obviously pull off an upset of either LSU or Georgia, it would create an uproar in the college football playoff rankings. But lacking that, it seems like Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies are going to finish seven and five. So Georgia, what has to happen for Georgia to make the playoff? They have to beat AM, they have to beat Georgia Tech, and then they have to beat LSU in the SEC title game. If they do that, then they are in the playoff and the SEC would get two. On the outside, looking in, Alabama. Alabama, with the Tua injury, is in a rough spot. What they would need is Georgia to lose, and then they have to go on the road against Auburn and just crush Auburn and kind of pull a Cardell Jones and convince everybody that the backup quarterback is good enough to lead Alabama to a championship, like Cardell Jones was good enough to lead Ohio State to a championship. Remember, uh, Cardell Jones and Ohio State destroyed Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, something like 59 to 3 or whatever it was. That's what Alabama would have to do against Auburn in two weeks in order to keep itself squarely in the playoff mix. And uh, meanwhile, Oregon and Utah. Both need to win out, both playing, I believe, teams from uh, the state of Arizona this weekend. Uh, and both of those schools need to continue to win to give the slingshot effect to each other. Baylor tries to rebound from giving up a 25-point lead with Texas coming to town. And Oklahoma gets uh, what should be a relatively easy, you would think, game against TCU in advance of going on the road for the final week of the season season in bedlam but again georgia controls whether or not it gets in at that fourth playoff spot then i would say it's likely the pac-12 champ and the big 12 champ would duel it out alongside of alabama if georgia were to stumble that is the college football playoff picture now if you're a fan of another school that i haven't talked about there minnesota Look, Minnesota has to beat Northwestern. They have to beat Wisconsin, and then they have to beat Ohio State or Penn State, depending, uh, in order to make the college football playoff. Penn State has to win against Ohio State this year, pull off a a big upset uh, this weekend, and then they would need to beat Rutgers, and then they would need to beat whoever emerges from the Big Ten West. That's pretty much it in terms of teams that can contend for championships. And I think I just broke down the entire playoff picture. So that will be tonight with the uh, committee coming out and releasing its rankings. Danny G, any questions about the college football playoff picture? Since I am the best expert in all of the world of sports when it comes to analyzing the playoff.
8: In the top four, any chance that Clemson could pass up Ohio State? No. None? None reading how they've outscored their last six opponents 315 to 58
5: yeah look they've so been a little
8: bit of chatter they've on the been internet playing about really
5: it. well Trevor Lawrence has uh, has done away I think he's thrown 16 touchdowns without an interception he started off the year throwing a lot of picks I mean they have uh they have really rounded into form uh, much more so but no Ohio State uh, is not going to get jumped by uh, by Clemson and I don't think Ohio State can jump LSU what about you dub any crazy we talked last week about the idea of Auburn kind of having this uh, this pipe dream, if they could beat Georgia and if they could beat Alabama, that they were out there maybe as a team that could find its way into the playoffs. They really were the only team that, to me, ended up getting eliminated from the playoff race. To me, and I wrote about this at Outkick. You can go read it at Outkick.com. We had 11 teams enter this weekend, really strongly with playoff chances. And we still have 11 teams, although that will get sorted out a lot this weekend to, uh, to a large extent based on the games that are going on. But any hypotheticals from you?
9: Well, my biggest question and the thing I'm most interested to see is what they do with Alabama because Tua is obviously a huge loss for that team. And if the committee is ranking these teams on how good they think they are, it's going to show a lot how good they think Tua Tagovailoa is and how important he is to Alabama because you could make the argument pretty easily that Alabama could drop behind Oregon and also behind Utah. Yeah. And looking forward, Oregon and Utah will most likely play each other undefeated for the Pac-12 title. And then it still kind of revolves around Auburn in a funny way because Auburn still has that win over Oregon. And like you said, if Alabama is able to go to Auburn – and just lay it down on Auburn by double digits plus, then then we'll have a situation on our hands, assuming that Georgia does not beat LSU in the SEC title game, what they will do between Alabama with no Tua and Oregon if they win the Pac-12 with that one loss being to Auburn all the way back in week one of the season.
5: Yeah, Alabama is in a tough spot, I think, because, man, if they had just gotten Tua out of that Mississippi State game, doesn't play in the second half, they roll like they did, they didn't really ever get threatened by Mississippi State, if they had been able to do that, then I think there's a strong argument, especially with LSU continuing to roll, that Alabama deserves a spot in the college football playoff. But now Alabama doesn't just have to beat Auburn. They have to crush Auburn, I think. Um, and, And Mac Jones has to play really, really well. And even then, I think that they have an uphill climb to get into the college football playoff. If Tua is healthy, then I don't think there's any doubt. I think you have uh, Georgia at four, Alabama at five, and you're saying, "Look, if Georgia stumbles in the uh, in down the stretch run of the season here." it's Alabama sliding in at the four spot. I don't think that that is the case now. Uh, Eddie, any questions from you about the College Football Playoff Selection Committee rankings coming out tonight?
7: No, I I agree with everything Dub uh, had to say and and you. Uh, It's all about Alabama uh, and where they're going to be placed at this point. And then down the line, even if they do beat Auburn on the road, is that going to be enough to keep them in front of Oregon or Utah, who would be a conference champion? So.
5: Yeah, I I tend to think that the committee is not going to ding Alabama too much here with uh with the injury to Tua because They still got the win, and we're not going to know much because they play Western Carolina, I think it is, this weekend. So it doesn't really matter what happens in that game. Uh, But a lot of times the committee wants to wait and see when an injury happens. At least that's been their historic uh, decision-making. Let's wait and and analyze a team with a player out as opposed to projecting what we think the team is going to look like with a player out. And uh, look, Alabama has always been a next man up mentality. uh, But I do uh, understand the reticence to buy into the idea that Alabama with Mac Jones is going to be anywhere near the player and team uh, that they were with Tua. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I
7: thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This
8: is Animal Thunderdome. Take it away, Danny G. All right, Clay, let's start in Indonesia. An endangered Sumatran tiger mauled to death a farmer and seriously injured a tourist... The fatal attack happened Sunday at the farmer's coffee plantation on Sumatra Island. The 57-year-old wrestled with a big cat before it killed him. This farmer, unfortunately, he was killed as he was cutting a tree at his plantation, the AFP said.
5: Isn't this part of the country, by the way, where they also have the man-eating uh, snakes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a tough place to be living if you've got tigers and, uh, and snakes that can devour people. Tough right? place Isn't to be a same- tourist,
8: too, because this mauling came a day after this same tiger attacked a group of Indonesian tourists yeah. who were camping at a local tea plantation.
5: Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Also, maybe don't camp outside if there's man eating tigers and also uh, man
8: eating snakes. Yeah, one of the tourists there was rushed to the hospital for major wounds to his back after the cat stormed into his tent this tiger yes yeah, same tiger remains loose because it's part of the protected forest area yeah well so they're I not gonna do anything
5: they need to bring in my man from india uh and uh and let him start hunting this tiger <laughs> all yeah. right that's a rough rough way rough start for the animal thunderdome yeah, what else you got i
8: started with the fatality to get that out of the way there. yeah right well good for you uh let's let's do what well it's not a it's not a friendly kangaroo though did you hear about what's going on in mississippi
5: There's so many things that are That's It's a hell of an opening (laughs) sentence, but no, I have
8: not. The owner of a traveling petting zoo says his unfriendly kangaroo is on the loose after escaping from her enclosure in Mississippi. John Mark Johnson said the four-year-old female kangaroo hopped a fence in Guntown about 3 p.m. Tuesday and was last seen uh, just a couple hours later that same day. They have not caught it yet. She's possibly still in Guntown, he says.
5: That would be awesome if you were just in Mississippi and suddenly like a kangaroo came jumping by as you're driving on the road.
8: Yeah. Talk about being freaked out.
5: And also a kid seeing a kangaroo in the back and the parent not (laughs) believing that it's real. So if you're listening to us right now in Mississippi and your kid has seen said that he sees or she sees a kangaroo, maybe it's actually happening.
8: By the way, wrong pet to escape the zoo. Johnson, who owns G&J Traveling Petting Zoo, says that the kangaroo is... It's not a part of his attraction right now because she is not real friendly so he's warning people in the public not to approach this 60 pound animal he says that she will attack you
5: well they have the boxing matches right in uh down in australia where people will fight kangaroos all the time so uh that would be an intriguing uh battle to see as well all right what else you got
8: All right, uh, an Indian Forest Service officer shared a video of a leopard lunging at a motorcycle, missing the vehicle and its two riders by only a matter of inches. The video tweeted by IFS officer Susanta Nanda shows the leopard standing at the side of the road and then dashing into the road when the motorcycle approaches. The leopard pounces towards the vehicle, which uh, two men are on, and just barely misses the man on the bike. Nanda said the video was filmed by a driver who had stopped to give a safe distance to the Leopard, but uh, the motorcycle had gone around the other vehicles to uh, try to get in front of the cars. All were waiting to give right-of-way to its real owner, the Leopard, when a motorcyclist wanted to have his way, would have been his last ride, Nanda wrote. Please learn to respect the wild.
5: This is uh, a story I've got. I don't know if you have this one. A Florida man attacked by an alligator. Um, Did you hear about this? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, And it's wild that he was attacked by the alligator, and then it took like five hours for him to get airlifted out. And there's this huge interview with the guy uh talking about the alligator attack um and uh it, it, like he used his wife's um he told his wife that she had to take off her belt and use it as a tourniquet on his legs i mean this guy this story is wild he's fine now but he says he was hunting for a hog and an alligator just came uh up out of the water and uh and attacked him in this uh, nature reserve he said he thought it was around a 10-foot alligator he wasn't sure and uh and i guess he had severe injuries to his legs but the way that he responded was pretty impressive he used his belt to create a tourniquet on one part of his leg and her belt to create a tourniquet on another part of his leg and uh and eventually got airlifted out of this nature reserve in uh, in south florida
8: if you were in that situation do you think you would have thought that fast on your toes
5: well i don't wear belts so i that my oh, first thought would screwed. be that i'm uh, i'm in trouble like it's rare yeah. i had a belt for the uh, the wedding you know officiant ceremony that i did this weekend
8: yeah they kept showing the picture of you on lock it in yeah yesterday. i was getting
5: i was getting criticized they said my suit didn't fit well enough i i don't know what's going on with uh with it's like no suit ever fits me accurately enough for people <laughs> I don't understand the uh, the criticisms there. I haven't really changed weight very much in a long time, uh, but uh, yeah, I did the I officiated the wedding on uh, on Saturday and it went pretty well. But then I put a picture up of myself and Todd Furman and his girlfriend and my wife. And first of all, both of oh yeah, gr-
8: lower that music, Roberto. I was going to ask you. You have two minutes here to give yeah. us a quick review. Well, so, on the job. So you first did. of
5: all, I don't understand when I when like a man puts up a picture. And there are good-looking girls in the picture. I don't understand why other men focus on the men, right? Like, if I see a picture of two good-looking women and two dudes, I never think anything about the guys. Yeah, you're
8: talking about how people were picking on the vodka that was on your tie?
5: Yeah, I got vodka on my tie. And uh, (laughs) you would think, like, who is zooming in? If there are two good-looking girls in a picture on Instagram, who is zooming in on the guy's tie? Like I had a tie that got wet, I guess, because I uh, ha- had a vodka drink and a whiskey drink, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, I was just kind of standing there, and then I go look at the comments, and they're all about uh, they're all about what I look like, and so I don't understand if you got two good-looking women, how does the focus end up on me? The wedding went incredible, though, went really well. Congrats to uh, to Lori Kelly and to uh, Bryce Eldridge. Who uh, got married? I think they're on their honeymoon now. We also got to stay in a place called the Moorings, which is a a really cool location. Where if anybody watched the movie Blood or the television show Bloodline on Netflix, it's in the Florida Keys where they filmed the uh, the television show Bloodline. And uh, so it was just a really cool environment. The weather was perfect. we were on. Did you stay
8: uh, inside your 15 minutes?
5: I, I love Morada. I didn't even check the, uh, the the clock because I didn't have my phone in my pocket because I didn't want my phone to go off uh, but uh, yeah I think I was within the 15 minutes of allotted time and the feedback was uh, was really good. So uh, all in all, it was a uh, it was a really fun wedding,
8: except for the tie.
5: Ex- well, the tie was great, <laughs> except for. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you on the flip side. I had one major packing snafu uh, that was uh, that was nearly calamitous for the wedding. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at Fox And within the iHeartRadio app, search
5: FSR to listen live. Appreciate you spending your Tuesday morning with us as we dive into the final game of the NFL on week uh, 11, and that is down in Mexico City, 7,500 feet above sea level. The Kansas City Chiefs outlasted the San Diego Chargers, and by San Diego Chargers, I mean LA Chargers, and at some point, I will stop calling them the San Diego Chargers, but honestly, I kind of wish they'd just moved back to San Diego so I could go back to calling them what I called them for most of my life, which is the team that Phillip Rivers plays quarterback for that always finds a way to lose close games. Since September 6th, September 11th, 2006, Phillip Rivers has been the starter for every Chargers game. And he's been a starter for the Chargers for even longer than that. But he's never had two games as bad as these two, back-to-back in division against the Raiders and against the Chiefs, with a chance to win the game late. Phillip Rivers drives his team down the length of the field. He's already thrown three interceptions. He's looking to the end zone to try to get a tie or maybe give his team a chance to take a two-point conversion attempt for the win. Instead, this happens
9: rivers takes the snap at his belt frank clark coming for him a fade route right side is intercepted
1: intercepted intercepted dirty dan Sorensen picks it off one of the biggest interceptions for dirty Dan's career and the chiefs shut the gate on philip rivers
5: so now the big question while the chiefs won and we'll get to that in a sec and what it might mean in the uh, afc west in the meantime with 5 games now left on uh, on the schedule for the Kansas City uh, sorry for the Chargers the big question here is what in the world happens with Philip Rivers a couple of weeks ago on this show maybe 3 weeks ago we had a conversation about what in the world should the Chargers do with Philip Rivers and sort of the consensus seemed to be that they didn't have a lot of obligations or opportunities here uh, that other than they had to reextend uh, with Phillip Rivers when he becomes a free agent at the end of this year. He's turning 38 next year. You're moving into the brand new stadium in uh, Inglewood, and uh, you are clearly the number two NFL team in your own market. You need to stick with at least the brand that you have, which is Phillip Rivers, entertaining, but ultimately flawed quarterback. They showed during the course of the game that Rivers is number three all-time behind, I believe it was uh, Dan Marino and, uh, man, I can't remember who was number two all-time, but Phillip Rivers is number three all-time for quarterbacks who have won the most games without winning championships. And uh, Rivers has won over 120 games as a starter without winning a championship and now the question is will his career continue with the chargers beyond the five games remaining on this season uh phil rivers was asked about the interceptions and then right after that anthony lynn was asked about the future
6: it's a football game it's a football game i mean you know if if you could just pick and choose and never throw them ever, I'd choose to throw zero. So certainly don't don't want to throw them, but certainly I know it's hurting us right now. So obviously need to need to cut them out.
8: I don't have that luxury to think about Philip in the future and his contract. I, I, my focus is my very next game, the Denver Broncos. At the end of the season, that'll take care of itself. But right now, we're just trying to finish the season on a positive note.
5: Four and seven. When you're trying to finish the season on a positive note, it means effectively you have no chance of making the playoffs. So a year after the Chargers won a playoff game, beat the Ravens and advanced to play against the Patriots in New England before they fell apart in that game, uh, Phillip Rivers not going to make the playoffs this year. It doesn't appear. And the question is, does he have anything left with the Chargers beyond the five games remaining on this season's schedule? And honestly, I feel like it's time for the Chargers to turn the page. I think they've gotten everything they can out of Phillip Rivers. He's had a Hall of Fame career. He hasn't had the postseason success that he would have hoped to have had. Uh, But overall, just an incredible career, great longevity for Phillip Rivers. And uh, I think the question now is, what do you do? What do you do if you are the Chargers? You are sitting there with several presumptive first-round quarterbacks potentially available to you. Go grab Justin Herbert, who is on the West Coast up in Oregon. Bring him down. Make him the face of your franchise. You could, with Tua having successful surgery, assuming he is back and healthy, it appears that Tua may fall outside of the top five Maybe the Chargers could be in a position to go draft Tua and hand him the reins to their franchise. They could look at the free agent market, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it is uh, Cam Newton, whether it is uh, – I is—I i don't know exactly what they would be interested in, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. Could you decide you're going to put together your own Hawaiian tandem, bring in Marcus Mariota, and uh, allow him to mentor – uh, a guy that he obviously had a uh, uh, has a great relationship with into Otago Veloa. I don't know uh, the answer to this, but I do know that the Chargers have got a lot more uncertainty at the quarterback position than they have had for a very, very long time. Uh, and by the way, it was Fran Tarkenden. So all-time top three least successful quarterbacks in the postseason relative to massive number of wins in the regular season. Phillip Rivers is number three all time behind Dan Marino, Fran Tarkenton, and then Phillip Rivers for most wins as a starting quarterback without actually managing to win a championship. And certainly, if you are a Charger fan, a championship looked a very long way away last night as Phillip Rivers threw his fourth interception. On the flip side, yes, they won, but I still think many of the issues that bedeviled the Kansas City Chiefs, since their 3-0 and start, continues. They aren't necessarily great at stopping the run. Uh, they are inconsistent in the offense when Tyreek Hill is injured. Tyreek Hill went out with a hamstring injury, given that the bye week is now. Could be good timing on that hamstring injury. Maybe, hopefully, he could be back, if you're a Chiefs fan, in time for that game against the Oakland Raiders in two weeks. And by the way, as wobbly as the Chiefs have been, if they beat the Raiders in two weeks, they'd get to eight and four. They'd have a uh, to, uh, substantial lead on the Raiders, who will be in second place in uh, in that division, and uh, they would be in great shape to, uh, to either get the three or the four seed and host a home playoff game uh, as the winner of the AFC West. So, as bad as things may look for the uh, for the Chiefs, they found a way to get a win. Patrick Mahomes was just okay in the passing game, and a big reason why was the injury to Tyreek Hill. But the Chiefs get a big win on the road. If you're looking for positives, Patrick Mahomes ran the ball really, really well. He scrambled great for min- uh, multiple first downs, and his knee looks to be nearly 100% with the comfort with which he was running. So uh, I I think you should be uh, pretty ecstatic if you are a a Chiefs fan about the result, even if the overall underlying aspects of the result continue to raise concerns about your ability to compete for a championship. So that is the big takeaway from uh, the Chargers game against the Chiefs to complete NFL Week 11. I'll give you my top five, bottom five to close out the show. Uh, but we didn't talk about it yesterday because we had so many games we were reacting to I officiated a wedding on uh, Saturday down in the Florida Keys and I posted a photo of uh, myself I don't I don't post a lot of things on Instagram because I think most people would rather hear or read my opinions than they would like look at a uh, look at photos of me and also I'm not a guy who takes a lot of pictures and every time I get on Instagram it seems like, of Instagram is... Oh, you got Instagram,
9: huh? I'm on Instagram.
5: Yeah, I'm on Instagram. You can find me uh, at... If you just type in Clay Travis on Instagram, you can find me. And I understand that Instagram is popular, but my kids are getting older and my wife takes pictures of the kids and everything else, but I'm like, I'm not really a big photo taker. So it's not like I spend a lot of time posting things on Instagram. I mean, I might put two or three things a week at most on average on Instagram. But when I do post, the amount of time that men spend talking about what I look like—it blows my mind. We got uh, Danny G. You look at that picture. That's uh, can you pull it up right now? Everybody can pull yeah, up the
8: photo. Yeah, we're on your Instagram page right. right now.
5: So on it's my Instagram, Clay
8: Travis Outkick
5: page, at Clay Travis Outkick. All yeah. right. So on my Instagram page. Like ninety percent of the comments are about what I'm wearing or Lamar Jackson on the Instagram yeah. comments, <laughs> because Lamar Jackson has got a huge Stan, uh, fan base out there that will defend him to the end of the earth. And I'm just not sold on Lamar Jackson as being the greatest quarterback of all time. So almost all the or com- uh, all the comments, aka
8: other people have eyes. Uh,
5: almost all the comments are about what I wear every time I post something on Instagram. And maybe I'm r- maybe I'm uh, not normal in this. But I look at girls in Instagram photos. Like, I never look at guys in Instagram photos. Uh, And and I don't understand this desire of men to look and, and comment on what other men are wearing and stuff like that. I pretty much only look at girls. Is that rare? Or, like, why do so many dudes feel compelled to comment on me?
8: Well, because when you're a public figure, everybody's looking to pick on you. And so they analyze every photo that's out there that that you'll post. So here's I the mean, challenge. I mean, when we when we posted photos from Jmart's wedding, same thing.
5: Yeah, but that was just dudes. True, but I mean, if it's just it, it everybody said you. Looked, but it was that like, was actually pretty funny. Everybody said you looked
8: like the limo driver. <laughs> oh, because of the uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah the derby hat I yes. had. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, oh, so nice to see all you guys together. You know, out kick for life. And the next one was like. Oh, it's the Fat Boys reunited, uh, <laughs> going on tour. <laughs> but I understand
5: if it's just guys, right? You're saying if photo.
8: women are in the photos, focus I look on at, the women, especially
5: if they're good-looking women. Furman's girlfriend is good-looking. My wife is good-looking. Right. Like I'm gonna, I if no, I'm no, a regular no. The first guy,
8: comment is, "What did you spill on your tie?"
5: Yes, the first <laughs> comment, and I didn't even notice. Like I, I posted the photo, and I didn't even notice that I had spilt on my tie. So, like, I, I don't understand, like, are people, like, zooming in on all these photos? It's crazy to me. And the whole Instagram universe, again, it appears to me to almost all be girls. And there's too many bells and whistles on all this stuff. Like, I don't know how to edit pictures. I don't want to spend any time changing filters. Like, who, like, who enjoy what man enjoys doing this? Do you edit photos?
8: No.
9: No.
5: But- Is anybody on this, Dub, do you, you're 25, do you edit photos?
9: I'm not that skilled yet. Right, yet, but you would be? I don't know. I mean, if I was an Instagram model, perhaps.
5: Yeah, if you made a living as an Instagram model, which, by the way, you're a long way from along with everybody else on this show, but I don't understand... But Clay, like,
8: there's no filter that could fix that tie.
5: That tie is fantastic. That tie looks <laughs> Maybe great. Maybe pre-vodka. Well, I mean, it's, it's a...
8: Looks like ketchup.
5: It's not ketchup. <laughs> I, think it's just, I think it's just a wet spot on the tie probably from a uh, probably from like a drink or in Florida and glasses sweat. And if you stand with your drink close to your chest, then your tie might get wet. But the, the bigger is the jacket easier,
8: looks two sizes too. Well, large this for is,
5: you. well, first of all, that's a, they, they, so Fox measured me. All right. Every suit that I have right now comes from the Fox wardrobe department where I uh, come in and I get measured. Now, I don't think so. I weigh, I am roughly six foot, 180 ish pounds, right? Like I might be 183, I might be 184, I might be some days like 179, like, you know, roughly 180 pounds, right? On a day to day basis. And so I haven't really changed weight in a long time. So I've stayed pretty much the same in this great physical specimen status that you see before you now. But. Everybody goes all in, all in on my, on my uh, suits not fitting. And I don't understand it. I think I look fantastic. But the big issue is, I talked about going down to the Keys. Like I was out on Friday, although I called in to talk about the craziness that happened on Thursday night football with the Miles Garrett uh, helmet attack. But um, my wife forgot to pack a white shirt. So I was, I'm officiating the wedding and we don't have a white shirt. So we land in Fort Lauderdale around rush hour on Thursday evening and it's a little bit of a mess so we don't stop anywhere before we get down to Key Largo where our hotel is and then there's nowhere to buy a white plain white dress shirt all on the island so I end up having to buy a white linen shirt and that was a a near disaster because anybody who's ever tried to wear a linen shirt with a tie it's almost impossible to pull off. So the fact that I look as good as I do is really a miracle.
8: Yeah, because it looks like you're wearing Trent Brown's suit jacket. Trent,
5: you know who was at the wedding, by the way? Your boy, Walker Bueller. Oh, wow. So Vanderbilt. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, we uh, we yeah, Vanderbilt, uh, baseball player, but Los Angeles Dodgers star. We spent uh, a lot of time hanging out, and he said that he had been playing and uh, calling Cowherd's Blazing Five for football but that Cowherd's picks had gone off the reservation. So I texted uh, Cowherd and just said, man, you've lost Walker Bueller. He said he was a big NFL fan of your picks and now your picks have started to get to, uh, to collapse and so he's had to bail. So we had a good time. The wedding went well. Again, congrats to Lori Kelly who used to be an editor with me at Outkick and uh, her husband, uh, now Bryce uh, Eldridge. All of the reviews were positive. Uh, I did a decent job and and I'm not kidding about this bryce's brother is brett eldridge who is a oh, famous yeah famous country yeah. singer and so uh he was the best man in, in the wedding so it was a small wedding in terms of the wedding party Lori had her bridesmaid and bryce had his brother as his best man did he sing yes oh awesome. he wrote a his best man's speech was a song that he wrote specifically for the wedding and i'm not kidding about this The song that he wrote that he sang for the first time ever at the wedding in front of, you know, the 150 or so people who were there at the wedding, uh, Brett Eldridge, is going to be a, I I think, and I know, you know, I'm not a music guy, but I think it's going to be a number one hit. You're calling your shot. I am calling my shot now. He's got a new album coming out. And immediately after, people were like, hey, you got to make sure that you put this song on the album because he had never played it, he still hasn't recorded it this was the first time that he had ever played it.
8: Yeah, if you don't know Brett Eldridge, I think it was 2015, his big hit song was called Wanna Be That Song. And then uh, Drunk On Your Love, I think was another big hit that he sang.
5: Yeah, I mean, he's he's a pretty big name guy. Yeah, he's
8: had like four or five hits.
5: Really good dude. Um, I'm going, uh, he's got a big Christmas special at the Ryman in Nashville, which if you haven't ever been to the Ryman is is maybe maybe the best venue honestly in the entire country to watch a uh, musical performance so uh, he does a couple of Christmas specials here in uh, in a couple weeks I'm going to go check out but I've seen him play before and again I'm not you guys know I'm not a music guy it's not like I sit around and I told him after after that song I was like look I know nothing about music Uh, but I can tell you that just based on my limited average dude reaction to this song it's going to be an insane hit
8: did you take a picture with the recording artist and that tie?
5: No, I didn't take the only picture I took was the one that I posted. I'm not a big picture guy, and also I'm I, I am uh, actually I took one with uh, Walker Bueller so we could text Cowherd and uh, and okay. uh, and tell him about uh, the fact that Walker didn't have faith in his picks anymore. But I feel bad posting pictures of asking for pictures with famous people, even though on some level I'm somewhat. Like I would say, I'm like you know D list level celebrity, but I feel bad asking for pictures with anybody who is somewhat famous, unless it's like the the cowherd thing where I'm going to make fun of him with the the pick, But I didn't post that. Um, does that make sense? Does anybody else? I don't think. I, I, maybe I'm more sensitive to it uh, because I don't want to feel like hey, I'm trying to take advantage of. No, uh, I'm kind of I'm
3: kinda like you.
6: Uh, this was years ago. I saw uh, Jose Lima who pitched for the Dodgers. He had helped the Dodgers win their first yeah. playoff game in like over. 20 years i saw him at the best Buy here in burbank he was with his son i'm like oh man i don't see Lima. i want to go up to him and say thank you and you know take a picture with him and i just couldn't man i just feel like leaving the athletes alone when they're yeah i mean by themselves. I,
5: yeah i think that's an interesting point like i'm perfectly fine taking pictures with anybody out there who recognize me i enjoy it like right i like to meet people because the radio show it's not like we do it in front of a live audience i write i do television it's it's not as if i perform Uh, the entertainment that I do in front of live audiences. So I always enjoy meeting people. But if I'm with somebody else who is somewhat famous, I feel awkward asking for a photo with them. Does that make sense? Like, I If I were a regular guy, I wouldn't feel at all bad about asking for a photo because I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to put that up on my social media feeds and not that many people other than my friends are going to see it. But I feel like it's like me trying to show off if I ask for somebody a picture. Does that make sense? Yeah,
8: and I think it's better to have just a quick conversation with a person and maybe shake their hand yeah. rather yeah. than take up their time I, posing for a picture.
5: I also now think too um, – I'm fine with my pictures being up, but I also think there's so many people now who see and comment on uh, pictures that I'm in that, uh, that I feel bad when somebody else also simultaneously is not a public figure. Like Furman, who I do the show with daily, he's in the picture. So like, boom, you know, like that's easy. I'm fine with that. Or Rachel Benetto, or Cousin Sal or anybody else that I do the show with, that's all good stuff. But I sometimes do think about people who are not public figures like, oh man, they don't have any idea what they're headed for because most people on social media only get reactions from people they know. And when you actually throw it up uh, out there to the entire public, the responses are just uh, just crazy. So anyway, the wedding went well. I was nervous. I did not want to blow it because uh, Lori is a really good friend and uh, I was happy for she and Bryce and also all their families are sitting there and everything else. And, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a great deal of uh, responsibility on the wedding officiant. So uh, I did, uh, I think, pretty well. Uh, zero issues and uh, not sure when I'll officiate another wedding uh, or if I will. But I did tell Furman, who's still single, and Rachel Benetta that I might be the in addition to being the greatest person at breaking down the college football playoff picture, maybe the greatest person in sports when it comes to officiating weddings too. That's
3: a that's a tall glass of vodka, man. <laughs>
5: There's a lot of vodka in there. Yeah. I'm a good drinker. It's one of my great talents. Uh, all right, when when we come back, Petros Papadakis will join us. We'll talk to him about the college football playoff picture. What does he think uh, the Chargers should do with Phillip Rivers uh, as uh, he joins us from Petros and Money Show, AM 570 LA Sports. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Petros Papadakis with us now at the old P on Twitter. Petros and Money Show AM five seventy LA Sports. Petros, you ever officiate a wedding?
0: Once. Yeah. Well, how did it go? Not well. Yeah. What happened? I would rather not discuss it. <laughs> really? No, I wasn't an official uh, officiation, but I think I'm going to have to actually get ordained or whatever and officiate the same wedding eventually.
5: Oh, so you, I'm confused now. So you did it or like what, what's happening? I did
0: it, but I don't think it was official.
5: Oh, okay. So are the, is the couple uh, like uh, living in sin now?
0: I'm not sure.
5: Yeah, that's interesting. So I did a wedding this weekend. Oh, uh, how did that go?
0: Yeah, I thought it went pretty well. Um, you know, you, was it like a kinky wedding where you exposed your nipples, like with like a, like a weird kind of robe no, up there? You know what? Now that you
5: mentioned my nipples, uh, my wife, so we had to find a new white shirt. Because my wife forgot to pack one for me to wear for the wedding ceremony. And, uh, and the only white shirt we could find was linen. And I tried it on and she said, We can't buy the shirt. I said, Why not? She said, Your nipples are too visible through (laughs) the shirt. And I said, Well, nobody's, I mean, that's not that bad. She's like, No, you can't, uh, you can't take your jacket off because your nipples are just like, it's, it's like, you know, two headlights staring at me through this linen shirt. So, well, you could have worn a, uh, a couple of pasties. We actually discussed that, but then we thought that the pasties would be visible and that would look weirder.
0: Yeah. People saw the pasties. It's like when people see your Spanx.
5: Yeah. Right. You just get it, it
0: away with the illusion.
5: And my wife had the, you know, I, I don't know how much money is made on the nipple cover brand. But women have these pasties everywhere, right? You know, like they can can pop them on, like uh, they look like pepperonis, and uh, and I mean, except they're flesh colored pepperonis. So, but I've never seen a man wear one. So uh, I I contemplated it at least.
0: You know, there's a first guy to do everything.
5: That's right. I mean, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. I could be the first man to wear uh, to wear nipple guards, Uh, or at least
0: be honest about it.
5: Well, I mean, I think we're being pretty honest about it considering we have a decent uh, audience here and you're, you know, discussing my private nipple business.
0: Well, I only have one nipple, as I know. you know. Yeah. And it's extremely small and uh it pops out just cuz it's so small and sharp. <laughs> and uh there's only one. So it looks even worse.
5: Well, I would trade my nipples for your nipples.
0: Even without the one?
5: Yeah. I'd rather All have right. I'd rather have one normal nipple than two of my normal nipples. That's would, fair. Uh, so, I, you know what? Me too. Yeah. All right. Well, it's important.
0: Uh, Why speak- don't you just do it?
5: Do what? Why don't you get your pepperoni sawed? I've thought about getting a nipple job. I know. But I just, I mean, in fact... In, it in would a, be a
0: great joke and it, a great, you know, like you'd just be able to take off your shirt, whatever, and be like, hey, because, you know, you like a little bit of a... Uh, uh, reflection yeah and you could say hey you know i had i made enough money over the years to get my nipples sawed off i didn't like my nipples and now look at
8: them
5: well what's crazy is a doctor uh, emailed me a while back and saw me shirtless and said he would do man boob surgery on me for free well, so, but my concern is I don't want to die you know like Joan Rivers died in the in the cosmetic surgery I've never had an, an element of cosmetic surgery done and the can you imagine if that's the way you go like you get well what happened to dad well he got put under so he could have his man boobs operated on and he died I mean that would be tough it would grow your legend
0: about. though like Jim Morrison you think that would grow my legend
5: or do you oh, think oh god would-, would it ever <laughs> are you kidding
0: me they play your show's archive for years oh, this is the guy he who died like Jack of a- Benny died of a boob
5: job um so uh i would i did ask and i don't know the answer does my excess boob uh man boob can i donate it to women who want bigger boobs because then i think it's like you know when the guy no see you up,
0: now you've taken it too far and i'm no longer
5: well i think it's like when people get their hair cut off and they give it to people who don't have hair yeah, i feel like i should be able like to donate that. i think it I should think it i it think works. it should uh all right so speaking of not working like that <laughs> uh four interceptions for philip rivers last night Speaking yeah. of not they did not work well there. Uh no one liked that, uh, to steal from Kirk Cousins. Is he done with the Chargers?
0: Uh I don't yeah. I mean I I don't maybe they're in a time of transition. I, I don't know. I mean I know for a fact that the Chargers felt like Phillip Rivers was gonna last for more more time, like yeah. Tom Brady kind Yeah. Of. And that—that that is the modern era of uh, some of these old elite quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is getting up there, and certainly Drew just,
5: Brees and
0: and Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah, Drew, I mean, they've extended the age uh,
5: range of how long you can play quarterback in an elite level.
0: Tom Brady hung out with us at USC when I was in college. Yep, that's how old he is. And uh, I played against Drew Brees in his first start. That's how old he is. Yes, you know, these guys are old as as Ass. Uh, and Philip Rivers is old, too. And you know how old Ass is. Yes. V- extremely old. Yeah. Uh, but I think they thought he was going to last longer, and now it's kind of like... I mean, he's always thrown picks and had game meltdowns late. It's always happened. But it's kind of like a broadcaster. You've always made mistakes, but when you turn, like, 60 and you start making mistakes, it's because you're old. Yeah. Uh, that might be part of it, but... It really started flooding social media last night, like this guy's washed up, leave him in Mexico, you know, <laughs> give him to the cartels and it was like, Whoa, you know, that-, that
5: seems a little extreme to give him to the
0: cartels. Yeah, it really escalated quickly. Yeah. You know, nobody wants uh, Philip Rivers dumped in a bucket of lie. Yeah. You know. Uh but uh I, I do see some kind of drastic changes with the Chargers in the future. They can't continue like this forever. I mean, they were supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team, and they're not going to make the playoffs. And it's probably the same with the Rams. I mean, the Rams are two games back. The Rams were supposed to go back to the Super Bowl. The Rams are two games back in the wild card right now.
5: Well, at least USC and UCLA are having great seasons. Hey, they're playing this week though. Uh, Somebody's gonna win. And by the way, I feel like that's why are they why do they have a bye week to end their season? Is that just cocky? Yeah, I know uh, does UCLA have a game after this one? Yeah, they have Cal. okay, I forgot about I I thought they were both done. But that's pretty is that S C saying, hey, we expect to be in the Pac twelve title game and we'd like to have a bye week beforehand, or how does that happen?
0: No, I think that just shook out with the Pac twelve scheduling. I, I believe yeah uh usc doesn't usually do that uh we've had a game after the ucla game even when i played we played louisiana tech of all team tim Rattay came to the college. Oh, i he remember, remember. tim Rattay. yeah he came to the collie and took a beating uh 97 so, or something
5: back in back in the 97 so, 1999 year. 99 also a great year all right so what's going to happen with sc then i mean last year that everything kind of fell apart and Clay Helton got to keep his job. Is there any way that Clay Helton keeps his job again this year because things fall apart in the
0: potential behind-the-scenes coaching search as well? Well, everybody asked me that question. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I saw the new AD. I saw what he was doing. He was down there meeting everybody. I don't think he really still knows anybody. He's, he's only been there a week. Uh, I talked to him a little He talked to Larry Scott. He worked the press box. He worked the sideline. He was down on the sideline when the game ended. I did the USC-Cal game on Saturday, Uh, and it was up in Berkeley. And USC actually dominated the game for four quarters against a very good defense and played pretty well. And Bone was down there to see it. Now, I don't think they hired Mike Bone to keep Clay Helton. It just, I mean, it's right there on paper and the USC is still alive in the Pac-12 South race but they're clinging to it. It's not likely that Utah's going to slip up. USC's more likely to lose to UCLA on Saturday than Utah is to lose to Arizona on Saturday, which is the game I'm doing. Yep. And uh, or and then Colorado at home. So, I mean, I don't see I don't really And this is a long-term football issue at USC. I don't think winning a game here or there or even making the Pac-12 title game is what's going on. I think you know USC needs to compete at the level that Ohio State is competing uh, for the level of player they have, and they need to pay a coach that much, and they need to hire a guy with that kind of clout. Uh, And if you think Clay Helton's a guy, then i mean you've you've got more optimism
5: than me so would you still say at the top of usc's wish list is urban meyer and james franklin or do you think those ships have sailed do you think there's been back channel conversations with either
0: well franklin i mean if they if they hire franklin if they hire urban meyer there's going to be a wave of bad press that they would want to sustain like a rock or a lighthouse in a storm uh if they're willing to do that, now they emphasized over and over again that they want to win in their press conference for the the new AD with the new president, Carol Folt. But they want to win with integrity. Yes, you know people would throw that back in their face if they hire Franklin. Franklin is a good coach, obviously, with a lot of friends in the media. Uh, there's a little shine off of that uh, rim because of the losses and people are going to dig up the vanderbilt stuff yep and that's going to be thrown in their face uh and that's going to be if his name gets floated out there very seriously if clay Helton's fired then they're going to run into that uh to me the safer guys that are really good program builders that would coach the hell out of the talent would be matt rule who's yep. more of an nfl coach anyway but do you think he would leave baylor
5: to come to sc that's the question okay that's a good one though i agree
0: Ask yourself that question in the mirror.
5: No, I mean, because you just said he's more of an NFL guy. So if you think that he is more of an NFL guy, then he may feel rightly that he can stay at Baylor, not have the pressure that comes with USC, and eventually be able to go to the NFL from Baylor as easily as he could do it from SC.
0: Well, that's another good point. And he did just sign a big extension at so Baylor. So that would be
5: my thought. Baylor, you're under the radar comparatively. You're a hero. Uh, you don't have to live in the big fishbowl of L.A. And if you want to go to the NFL, it's just as easy. The NFL is going to find you just as easily at Baylor as they would at SC. So that would be
0: my right. thought on him. If he would come, I the NFL Fantastic deal for me. The NFL deal for me is like talent level. Yeah. You know, like he, The talent level at SC, You know, I think he'd be able to handle it better and say, you know, a PJ Fleck. Uh, or I think uh, Campbell is a guy who's a really good coach. Yep. Who can build a program, who's not from anybody's weird coaching tree. You know, he's from Bethel. Uh, he did it himself. You know, uh, I really like him. Uh, he's very straight. then. they're both just very straightforward, no nonsense people, which seems like that's what the new AD is like. So, uh, but, but, it'll be very interesting just to see the timeline of how things happen uh at usc if things happen but i expect uh, you know what's what's right in front of everybody's face to go down
5: uh you expect
0: urban no i mean i, I expect uh you know i've heard from people that i trust really trust all right that we, we need both- to bring
5: oh we need to bring can you come back we're gonna bring back petros this is outkick i need to know the answer to that question on fox sports radio This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Welcome back in. All right, Petros, sorry to cut you off there. If you had to put money, I know you hate gambling. I know you hate everything that I do. But if you had to put money on who the next coach is going to be right now, who do you think it will be?
0: Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't walk into that casino with
5: you. At all. So I asked you there as we went to break, Urban Meyer, do you think that he will be the first call that USC makes, even with all of the external noise that that would
0: provoke? You're not going to like the answer. Uh, I have heard from people that I really trust, people that we both know uh, at least of, and people that are close to the situation in one way or another. And one of them says, yes, they want Urban bad. They're going to come after Urban they're going to pay Urban and let him control the staff. It's going to be Urban's program. They're going to be immediately relevant. And don't just look past the giant elephant in the room uh, that's standing right in front of you. That's Urban Meyer. Uh, and then I've heard from other people uh, that I very much trust that have other avenues to USC, uh, people that USC need to build a bridge with that say that they have been guaranteed that USC will not go in the direction of an Urban mire because of the past issues and because of the optics and what USC has recently overcome uh, in the realm of uh, uh, women and uh, uh Scandal, domestic violence, sex, and, uh, domestic violence, sex the, assault, all yeah, those things. Yeah, all, so the, this all, is all, all those things. So, uh, so I mean, the the best thing about the USC situation, just for me personally, because it's all about me. Yes. Uh, is I don't know any of these people. Like, I don't know the new president, Carol Folt. I don't know a lot of the people she's brought in. Uh, I don't know uh, Mike Bone, uh, the new guy in charge at the athletic department, who's going to bring in his own people, presumably, uh, or at least some of his own people. Uh, So... I mean, your guess is as good as mine, and it's glorious.
5: And by the way, this thing could, though, really get kicked up because I think it's going to surprise people who aren't really kind of paying a lot of attention to it. SC's season ends on Saturday. So while everybody else is continuing the college football season and then the conference championship games and everything else, barring a collapse by Utah, Clay Helton and USC are done. Saturday with that UCLA game which allows them theoretically to be on the coaching search market almost
0: immediately. Right. So Good. uh we'll see. We'll see what happens. And remember a lot of this stuff is uh very incumbent on the early recruiting. Yeah, right. And uh that was an argument that used to be made to keep guys like Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian around when they were underachieving. Right. Like and well what about you the recruiting early- you know? We'll lose the recruiting class, you know, which is the dumbest, you know, message board thing that anybody could ever say. And in that regard, USC is somewhere ranked like in the 70s right now.
5: Yeah, I saw that. Petros Papadakis at the old P. Uh, Follow him, AM570, LA Sports, Petros and Money Show. Top five, bottom five to finish off the show here for the Tuesday edition of Outkick the Coverage. 49ers best team in the NFL. Patriots second best. Ravens third best. Seahawks in the four spot. And the Saints in the five spot. I have the Packers at six and the Vikings at seven. In the wake of NFL Week 11, bottom five, the list of sadness. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 28, Dolphins at 29, the Giants at 30, the Redskins at 31, and the Cincinnati Bengals at 32. That's the outkick top five, bottom five. Appreciate all of you hanging out with me. I am Clay Travis. We'll be back tomorrow breaking down the NFL uh, NFL, uh, Week 12 headed this way, plus the college football playoff committee rankings. What did we learn? We'll talk about it tomorrow. This has been OutKick on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, oh, oh,
0: all right.